Hello, friends. Laura Johnson here from Tickle Life, and this is Mindful Sex Ed Back to Basics. This is the podcast where we break up myths and build up facts about sex. And as always, I am joined by my incredible co-host, the Tickle Life in-house sex educator, Lulu Batista. How are you today, Lulu? Fantastic. Happy almost end of January to everyone. This month has already went by super fast. I don't know what's happening. But we're happy to be here and we're happy to be chatting up with some amazing ladies today. So I'm super, super excited. Me too. So tonight we have two special guests joining us from the Woodhull Freedom Foundation. Join us in welcoming Ricky Joy Levy, the president and CEO of Woodhull, and Mandy Sally, the chief operations officer. We are so thrilled to have them here and to talk about all of the incredible activism that Woodhull is involved with. And thank you so much for joining us. This is we've been looking forward to this for a long time. <laughs> thank you for having us. I, you know, I was just listening, and you said it's the end of January, and I thought, what? <laughs> How did that happen? It snuck up. It snuck up. That's it just... did. It mm-hmm. did. I, that's probably because we've been so busy here at Woodall. So well, you know, we we had our hearing this month. On FOSTA, where it's a constitutional challenge of the law. And this is just, can I tell you a little bit about this law? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So everyone, we're we're jumping right in. Sesta FOSTA. I am. I am. Do you you want me to do something else first? You didn't want to introduce yourself a little bit? Well, we didn't want to to interrupt because we're like, we know this is going to be great information. So we're just like, all right, let's. (laughs) I I can probably hold it long enough to say who I am. I'm Ricky Levy, and I'm the president and CEO of the Woodhull Freedom Foundation. I'm also one of the founders. And this is our 20th year, which is staggering, right? So I'm going to bounce this over to Mandy so she can introduce herself. All right. Yeah. Um, Thank you, Ricky. Yeah. So my name is Mandy Sally. Uh, As you mentioned, I'm the COO over at Woodhall, which basically means I'm just the person making things work behind the scenes and working with Ricky to support our mission, which is to affirm sexual freedom as a fundamental human right. And we're going to talk about all of what that means, I think, on this, you know, conversation today. But yeah, thank you again also for having us. We're really excited to be here. And I also want to just like give a little shout out to Tickle Life because that's it's an amazing platform that we're really proud to be affiliated with and support. And so it's a little extra special for us to be here on this podcast with all of you today. So just, you know, tiny shout out before we get into all the nitty gritty stuff. We love that. Yay. Okay. Well, let's so, drop, let's run it right back on the rig because she wanted to tell yeah. us all about that. And we are holding on to our seats to hear about all this amazing. You should. Please. So, you know, let me start, let me, let me tell you about this by giving you an example. I'm going to make a statement. I'm going to say that Woodhull Freedom Foundation supports and advocates for the decriminalization of consensual sex work. And now I'm going to tell you that if Foster remains in place, what I just did will be illegal. I could be arrested, fined. I don't even know what else they would do to me. Certainly they would seize everything that's Woodhull because this bill is 
it, it is the most draconian disaster of a bill that will throw the internet. Actually, I was going to say it would throw it back 20 years, but you know, the internet started out without censorship and that's how it's grown to where it is. Mm -hmm. This will take that away under, under a lie, under pure BS that this bill would stop trafficking. It hasn't stopped the trafficking of anybody. You know, nobody, it's just about sex and the so, censoring of sex and so sexual maybe, expression. I'm before sorry, we, go ahead. Oh, oh, no, no. Mom, you may need to tase me periodically. No, I'm not at all. Uh, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, so we are like a, an educational podcast. And I just wanted to take a step back and maybe just if you could explain what SESTA-FOSTA is for our audience and why it is so problematic. And you were getting to that, but I just wanted to make That's sure that okay. everyone had that foundation. That's okay, Mandy. Why don't you talk for a minute so it doesn't become the Ricky Levy show? <laughs> I, had, I had a feeling that was coming my way. Um, okay, so FOSTA is a federal law. I mean, it did pass. It was signed into law in 2018 by President Donald Trump. And FOSTA stands for the Fight Online Sex Trafficking Act. Um, in the House, it was known as SESTA, which is the Stop Enabling Sex Traffickers Act. Same, same piece of legislation, but sometimes people say FOSTA, sometimes they say FOSTA-SESTA. We're all talking about the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, and essentially, this law was passed under the guise that it was going to stop sex trafficking online. This was going to be the piece of legislation that stopped people who traffic sex, er, trafficked sex um, from using the internet to do that. And so what it does is it attempts to hold a platform liable for uh, sex trafficking that might occur on the website. So for example, Facebook. Say somebody uses Facebook to sex traffic somebody. The idea is that FOSTA would stop that person from doing it by holding Facebook accountable for the trafficker's actions. And the reason this is so dangerous is because, one, the way that Facebook or other platforms like Instagram, Twitter, um, Craigslist, any of these websites, when I say platform, that's who I'm referring to, the way that they monitor for this kind of content is by using artificial intelligence, the algorithms, all of that stuff. And AI, which stands for artificial intelligence, cannot tell the difference between content that is actually sex trafficking or content that is legal, like porn or sex education or anything related to the word sex, sexual orientation, sexual expression, whatever. All of these things that are not obscene, that are not sex trafficking, AI, the AI is looking for those words and then it's taking down that content in order to protect the platform. And so that's why FOSTA has led to increased censorship because it's just um, the platforms do not want to be held liable for bad actors using their platform to do bad things, which makes sense, right? I mean, nobody right. wants to be held Absolutely. liable for something they're not doing, but FOSTA is so broad and so all encompassing um, that it really. Um, catches a lot of things that are not illegal, not remotely close to sex trafficking, and really harms people that are trying to use the internet for 
consensual adults, consensual adult sex work or sex education or talking about sex in relationships or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why we're concerned about FOSTA. Um, and we've seen the effects of FOSTA. You know, I sure I don't have to tell all of you that the reason why a platform like Tickle.life has to exist is because other platforms that do similar things don't want anything sexual on their platforms at all. And so we see shadow banning and we see banned accounts and all of that stuff. And a lot of that started to happen post the passage of FOSTA in 2018. So does that, did I sort of, does that kind of explain things? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. You know, you can see how we work together now. (laughs) Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And like, we've, we've talked to our audience about you know, some of the problems with censorship, but I think you just put it so succinctly as to like, this is why you don't see, that's why Instagram has changed. If you're looking for, you know, not sex workers or porn performers or sex educators, and then you can't find them on the platform, it's because of this, this act. Um, so that's why we're so like thankful to have this conversation because I don't think people fully understand that when you limit the rights of sex workers you're limiting the rights of everyone everybody yeah everybody you know there's a clause in this uh piece of legislation that prompted the then attorney general to go up on the hill and encourage our congress people to vote no because he knew there was a part of the bill that was blatantly unconstitutional and that part says that um, if you do something to, if you did something yesterday that was legal when you did it, like this online speech, but they see it today or go after you for it today, you are liable for what you did before what you did was illegal. That's wow. illegal. That's ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. But, it's absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, the, the day-to-day impact on sex workers is, is just, it's horrifying. People who were comfortably able to conduct their own business online without needing a third party, who were able to look to community members to find out if someone they were going to work for to check references, just like you do at any other job, um, those sites are gone. And people had to go back to letting someone else arrange their work for them or to try to do it themselves without the safeguards of reference checking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of that is just because we don't, Sex is just the easiest thing in the world to punish. <laughs> that's that's the bottom line. It's the easiest thing in the world. Nobody's worried about people cleaning toilets for a living. <laughs> Even though it may be somebody, we're not clarifying, we're not grouping everybody together, so please, no one come for me. But... <laughs> You could be that person cleaning your home and just took half your stuff and they was there. But no one is saying anything about that. But here, we're trying to give education. 
people are, are, are trying to build up um, stigma, break down stigmas and build up these amazing things that people can really learn and grow from everything sexual, sexual wellness, sexual hurt, whatever that thing is. And to even be really hearing it, um, I'm not a big politic person because I think it makes me overly emotional. So I try very hard not to get too in-depth in it, but obviously we all have to at least know our basis. But, mm, mm, that doesn't make, that makes me very Bad, angry. bad, bad law. And it's not the end. This law isn't the end of the campaign. This is just the beginning. And and kind of speaking to that, could you maybe also touch upon the Earn It Act, which is also related, but not, it's not quite the same thing, but it's like an extension, I think, of what's been going on. I could like burst into flames about it, but, <laughs> but, but we learned from the last one that Mandy should. <laughs> Ricky, we need you to keep fighting, so don't burst into flames on us. <laughs> um, yeah, well, sometimes, you know, I will say sometimes in this work, it's just, I think Ricky and I both have moments where we're like, I cannot believe this is happening. Like, I cannot believe this is the thing I have to talk about, you know? Um, And yeah, so Ricky alluded to the fact that there are lots of bills out there that sort of do similar things, right? Um, And I also want to make a point that I, I should have said when I was explaining FOSTA, but this is a bipartisan piece of legislation. Mm-hmm. 98 people voted yes on this. So this is not a Democrat or Republican issue. It's a and, sex issue. Right. And so that's why it's frustrating. And I also think, you know, hard for people to understand and wrap their brains around a lot of this stuff. So I'm really glad to be able to have this conversation with you today. Mm-hmm. But Earn It Act, um, I have to read what it stands for because it's another one of these very long, clunky titles. Mm-hmm. Um, is the Eliminating Abusive and Rampant Neglent Neglect of Interactive Technologies Act. It's oh quite my. a mouthful. Hmm. Um, yes, and I, I will say I'm happy to say that the Earn It Act was introduced in 2022 and it did not pass. Oh, so okay, great. It'll be we're, we're happy We're happy about that for the moment, but yes, we do expect either for this bill to be reintroduced or for something very similar to occur. But what Earn It Act does is it kind of takes a, takes FOSTA a little bit further. And this, uh, and the part of it that really makes me very nervous was the part that affects encryption. So a lot of people who use the internet use encrypted apps to talk to one another, to try and protect their privacy online, which fair, makes a lot of sense, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm talking about apps like WhatsApp, Signal, that kind of stuff. That's encrypted communication. And right now, when you're using that app, what you're sending is protected. So the platform's not looking at it. The only people who are looking at it are you, the sender, and whoever the intended recipient is. What the Earn It Act would allow platforms to do is to use artificial intelligence, like what I was speaking about before, to scan all of your contact uh, content prior to it being sent and what it's scanning for is something called CSAM. Now, them scanning your information alone is scary, right? Yes. In my mind, it's like the big brother looking at it. I don't like it at all. <laughs> but what they're looking for is called CSAM, which stands for Child Sexual Abuse Materials. And um, they're using this effort to try and stop child sex abuse to violate everybody's privacy 
online um, and look for all of this stuff. But the other problem is, even if they found it, it's a Fourth Amendment violation to be looking through your information and to use it in court. So not only is it just a basic privacy violation to look at encrypted information, but it's not even admissible in court. So what are you doing with it once you have that information? Mm. So that's like a big, scary thing for me about the Earn It Act. It also would appoint a group of elected officials to write best practices okay. for internet content. <laughs> now, oh, yes, you're laughing. You got it. You and got I think it. that is laughable. And the reason I think that is hysterical is because a couple years ago, we had Congress bring a bunch of these big tech people to the Hill for questioning, right? Mark Zuckerberg was there, the CEO of Google, all these people who are working in tech. And the kind of questions that our elected officials were asking them were just silly and clearly demonstrated that those folks do not know how the internet works. Mm -hmm. And so in my mind, I don't want that same group of people telling me what are best practices for the internet because they're regulating or attempting to regulate something. They have no idea how it works. So, you know, and again, this is one of these things where I never thought I'd have to understand the intricacies of the internet or encryption Mm -hmm. to fight for sexual freedom. But these things have a direct impact on our ability to have sexual freedom online, which is why Woodhall cares so much about them and um, fights back against them. And, and that so is wild to think about. That's wild to think about because, you know, as a sex expert, you know, I'm I'm constantly coaching other people and, you know, I have groups that I deal with with, you know, children six through twelve. So maybe I'm speaking to a parent about something they're concerned about with their child to even think that they would be using that as me educating a parent on how to even approach their child that they thought may be sexually active is who oh my gosh, that's it's butt puckering, even if you. Will. Yeah. I like yeah. it. I like that phrase. That's and, right. And Mandy and Ricky, I think you're you're both kind of getting to this, like, you know, the data that's being used to support these bills. Because obviously, no one wants anyone to be trafficked. We want to fight against child exploitation material. Um, but the the data that's being used to justify these bills or is not totally accurate and like mandy you were saying you know oh i was if gonna you, say if, it was bullshit okay yeah yeah, <laughs> totally yeah. inaccurate is is okay too <laughs> <laughs> bullshit you know, gets right to the point that's my that's my academic brain trying to like tamper it down but no you're right total <laughs> well you know laura all you have to look at is how much money has mm-hmm. gone to fighting human trafficking And how every time they want more money, they just say it's rampant and it's everywhere. Like trafficking at the Super Bowl. There are data that prove that it's actually lower because of the increased police presence. So why do we need more money for that? Well, it's just an excuse to arrest, to, you know, get money, get funding, bring in more police. It, it's not, it isn't based on reality. We go to argue when, I think when our side goes to argue, we use a lot of real data. Um, I like to think we're the very honest side. And, you know, the other side is just turn on Fox News. 
yeah. you know, a statement and it becomes fact. And then we take that false statement and we go out and we retweet it 50 times so everybody can know how bad it was. And all we've done is amplify a terrible wrong message. We haven't replaced it with the right message often, often. Uh, not always. There are people who go out and counter with fact, of course. Um, but yeah, I'll stick with bullshit. Well, I would also, <laughs> I would also say that you know one of the one of the things we see all of the time is we have to save the children and we have to protect right. the children. And who in their right mind is going to argue against saving and protecting children? Right? Um, I mean. Take the name of FOSTA, Fight Online Sex Trafficking Act. That's that's great. I'm into that, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But the problem is the what we call things and their intended purposes are not actually what's happening, right? And I think um, a couple of the big organizations that really pushed for FOSTA and really advocated for it are very good at using this narrative of like... Um, you know, sex abuse victims and, and exploiting people's really harmful traumatic experiences mm -hmm. to pass bad bills that are really more about um, those organizations' own feelings about sexual freedom and sexual expression. They're not really about saving or protecting anybody. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it's it's hard, right? Like, I do have some empathy for some of these senators and some of these elected officials because, you know, there's another piece of legislation called the Kids Online Safety Act. Uh, sounds sounds pretty uh, harmless, right? Who wants to be the senator to vote no on kids right. online safety? Not me, right? But of course, in practice, it's it's not um, keeping anybody safe or and, making and a lot a of place. to to your point, Mandy. That kids online safety act. If if you if you understand what the act is, you want to vote against it. But you have your constituents who don't know the intricacies of the law. And who are going to want to know what the hell is wrong with you voting against protecting their children online. Mm -hmm. And legislators are always running for the next election from the minute they get elected. So. Mm. Yeah. Wow, this is there's, there's no black and white. There's no black and white. It's the most gray area that we could ever know of for there to be, you know, anything sexual, we're always in this gray. You can never, there's never no black or no white. It's just this gray. And they would not shine any light on on the community, either way, I feel like, you know, you pretty much damned if you do, damned if you don't. And our favorite phrase for um, our new seasons is, fuck them. That's what we're just saying this year. <laughs> it's, it's like it's making my, my scalp itch, really. Because I'm just like, this is super, 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 super frustrating. Um, mm. and so let me, let me make you more upset. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> How does it get worse? <laughs> if you pull back from the online censorship, you've got the censorship going on in libraries and schools, taking us to a point, I think, where 
accurate information about sex, sexuality, relationships just isn't going to be available anywhere. The, the rampant censorship of books is just, it's, it's horrifying. Librarians are being threatened with death for carrying a book about a trans family. You know, one of the first, or actually one of the most talked about books that was censored was And Tango Makes Three. So, you know, you think it's really, it's a family, right? And it is, but it's a family of penguins. Tell Ricky, for those who don't know what that book is about, could you, could you give a very quick summation? Do you know what it's about? Nice. I just know I, it's about penguins. <laughs> <laughs> I like you know, same-sex same um, parents and child, mm-hmm. I think. I'll well, we'll let you I mean, that's that's literally like a whole episode on Parks and Rec where there's like an accidental we- uh, gay wedding for two penguins. And it's like making fun of the controversy of these types of like bannings and stuff and that was 10 years ago and we're still having these conversations and still having to push back against it and it's just it's despicable and disgusting and it is it's a it's a non-traditional family it's two male penguins who have an opportunity to adopt a baby penguin how horrible let me shield my child's eyes from that while they but look at, the same, at uh, but, 007. But what's so interesting is that they would try to close us off from something that is seemingly very harm, harmless because we could be two best friends that, you know, we just want to, to see someone being taken care of. But in the same narrative, they're pushing things like that, that pushback about Buzz Lightyear do y'all want to put in that he kissed the boy? Do y'all not want to push in that he kissed the M&M's. M&M's. Are you aware of what's going on with M&M's? And, and Rice Krispie. The Rice Krispie, one of them. Oh, I didn't are, even hear about that. Yes, it was a whole article. One of them are now transgender, and, and that's a thing. And also, you know, on Disney, there's a new show, I think, Strange World, where um, they have things same sex and like that. It's like, you're pushing it on the smaller children, but if we're trying to give actual education so they will understand and feel like if they had questions they could ask, then that's wrong. But we just wanted to sneak it into the cartoon so then when they do even say explore this, then they look as criminalized. But you put the seed here wrongly. Instead of us being able to say to our children, hey, listen, we're different. People are different. And that is okay. And if you have questions, here it is. But if you now have the child watching this without, you know, parents knowing that they put in a cartoon, parents are not really thinking, oh, it's a cartoon, it's good and all that. And then all of a sudden your child says, oh, you know what? I think like the same sex person as me. Now I, as the parent, have done something to my child. I don't know what I'm doing because I allow my child to do this. You know, it's it's really. Mm, 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 mm. Well, I well, feel I, I am going to miss the M&M people. They're not well, doing them anymore. I would also say, what message does it send to the people who have 
two dads or two moms or trans a transgender family or an LGBT family member? What message does it send to those folks if those people don't get to be represented somewhere, yeah, right? I mean, to me, it's like, does that say that, you know, my family is bad, right? Yeah. Like they, they don't get to be on TV just like the mom and dad and the white picket fence, you know? I think it's, you know, a lot of what has been talked about when we talk about this, these book bans and things is the idea that the folks behind them are really trying to erase LGBTQ people from the conversation, from the culture. And I think that we have worked too hard as a population. The LGBTQ movement has fought for too long to now just be erased. And so, yes, it is just M&Ms, right? And it is just Rice Krispies. But it's also more than that, right? It's it's the idea that people get to see themselves represented in popular culture the way that straight white people have been represented forever. Right. Um, and so I think sometimes we get a little bit like bogged down and like, oh, this is so ridiculous. I can't even believe we're having this discussion. Like I know Tucker Carlson threw a hissy fit about the M&Ms thing. But, you know, it's it's about a little bit more than that. And I think it means something to people who don't look like whatever the like average person is supposed to look like. It means something to see yourself represented. Right. I think that's why we saw such a backlash when um, our new Ariel was Oh well, you know our Black Little Mermaid. I mean, we can all, to be honest, we all sitting here um, in this space talking. And if we were out in the in the world, people would look at the forest and say, "You're teaching sex education." Like we don't look like people who are supposed to be teaching sex education. I know for me, I've been told twice. I'm a person of color. I should not be seeing people say education and I should not be a massage therapist because people of color shouldn't be doing that. I've been told this a couple of times. People, you know, Laura has been told, oh, you're a plus side. You shouldn't be teaching. Like, what What does these things mean? What, I don't understand why there's this facet. Why? I'm a person that has education and that is passionate about a subject and is giving you knowledge passionately and want to see you learn and grow on something. There's a structure how that looks that seems crazy you know this is going to sound unrelated but it it isn't um i'll get to the end um in in the armed forces it doesn't matter who's arming there's a kind of a technique called othering o-t-h-e-r-i-n-g that makes the people you're fighting other other than human, other than your people, and and removing and censoring and trash-talking people other than white, heterosexual people, others them. And when you other someone, the armed forces use it so that when you get out there, you can kill somebody without falling into a ball of despair because they're the enemy. They're to be feared. And if you don't get to them, they'll get to you. And if you think about all the campaigns that are being waged, it isn't just let's take this out of the school. It's if we leave this, your children might 
grow up like them, the others. If we don't remove this from the internet, your, your child may see it and be inspired to be other than you, whatever that is. If we accept sex workers, then we have to accept that they're human beings. Sex worker rights are human rights. But if we can other sex workers and make them something to be feared or or infantilize them and make them a group of people who need to be protected by the government, and controlled by the government, then either way, what we've done is silence and other um, people who should be standing side by side with us. And and well, that makes yeah. it possible for people like Ron DeSantis to do what he's doing, the governor of Florida, mm -hmm. to say, don't say gay in the schools. It also uh, makes it easier to harm people, which I think is a little yeah, bit what you were yeah. talking about in using the like military the example, thing, yes. right? Yep. I think that's why you're seeing uh, proud boys who are emboldened to show up at drag story hour, right? Because if that we can example. villainize drag queens, then it's okay to harm them, yeah. right? Because they're not they're not like you and me. And I think you know that's really the the danger here, and I and and that's why we at Woodhall are so concerned with censorship and, you know, in our work going into 2023, we're, we're putting a lot of effort into fighting against these censorship things and really raising the profile of what can happen when censorship goes unchecked. Um, it's, you're going to see a lot of information from Woodhall this year about the dangers of censorship. We sort of started last year in August, we held a Human Rights Commission event all around censorship that featured six people who have experienced censorship. And they told stories that were really powerful stories of how their experience of, sense, of being censored actually harmed their daily lives and their ability to just live and carry on, whether that be in their professional life, personal life, whatever. And we had a sex worker and a librarian and a sex therapist and a student all on the same panel talking about, you know, this universal experience of being censored. So, you know, I think that it's one of these things that we really have to take seriously um, because it's sort of the gateway to a lot of other harmful uh, things that we don't want to happen. Absolutely. Or I don't want to happen personally. Right. And so maybe, I'm oh, sorry, Lulu, you go. At this hearing, you ladies speak, it almost sounds like they want us all to be in Area 51. <laughs> just, everyone, just take all the people who want anything to do with sex positive. Let's put them over here so we can study them all in this area where no one can see them or hear from them. And they'd be like, oh, I think it exists. Like, I saw that my, that, that space crab, but I don't know if that's a real thing. And just have us put away to the side and never really be seen ever again. That's just where my mind goes when I'm just hearing ladies speak. And it's just, like, so disheartening. Just yeah. It's horrible. What were you going to say, Laura? Well, actually, I was going to say, you know, if maybe we could segue into the hearings that you've you've had and maybe talk about if you've had, you know, the, some of the victories that you've had in trying to push back against the censorship, because, you know, it's <laughs> it has been a, a really, you know, challenging conversation to have a necessary conversation to have. But there is some hope 
and a lot of hope that's coming from the work that you're doing. So I just, yeah, want to make sure that we cover that too. Want to highlight That's a good idea. Mandy's more cheerful than I am. (laughs) (laughs) Mandy, why Um, don't you share, you know, the book bands in Virginia where mm -hmm. we filed an amicus brief. That was a victory. That was a victory. Yeah. So, okay. So this past uh, summer, there was a an individual who we think was going to eventually run for office in Virginia. And he levied a challenge to try and get two books uh, taken off the shelves in, in regular bookstores. This wasn't, you know, books taken out of a library. This wasn't books removed from a school library bookshelf. This individual wanted these two books to not be able to be sold in any bookstore in Virginia. And the two books were Gender Queer by Maya Kababi, I think is how you pronounce their name, um, which is like, I think the number one or number two most banned book in the U.S. right now. And the other one was A Court of Mist and Fury by Sarah Moss, which is a loved by many people in the world. She's like a best-selling author. It's a fantasy romance book. And so this individual tried to have these two books banned under a statute that was passed in like 1910 or something. Really, really old law that had been on the books forever that this individual found and was going to try to exploit to get these uh, two books from being sold. And there was obviously a lawsuit against this Barnes & Noble uh, joined both the authors and a couple other people in suing against this. And we filed what's called an amicus brief with our friends at FIRE, which is a First Amendment free speech organization. An amicus brief is something you file in a lawsuit that sort of uh, supports the cause of the people suing. And so we joined <laughs> them and, you know, we're proud to say that that was struck down. Um, and those two books remain on the shelves in Virginia. Yeah, it's really good, especially because, you know, during the course of the trial, it came out that this individual had like a list of 800 something books that he wanted to try and have banned under the same statute. So, you know, it was definitely one of those victories that we were happy about. Um, and it's kind of one of these things where the people who are really motivated to ban these books are very motivated. (laughs) Um, And they kind of do this thing where they're like throwing spaghetti at the wall. You know, it's like, okay, we're just going to try 150 things. And even if only two of them stick, okay, two two of them stuck, you know, so a little bit also like whack-a-mole. But yeah, that was a victory. We're really happy about that. And uh, if folks want to read the uh, brief, it is on our website and is on FIRE's website as well. It's interesting, interesting reading, even if you're not a lawyer. Um, hmm, that is yeah. We'll make sure we have like all of, all of your links in the show notes so that people can can follow it. So, um, I, this is just my own curiosity. So, was the nineteen ten yeah. law like something related to like old Comstock stuff, or oh, my it was friend pre? Comstock. I think it was pre Comstock because mm-hmm. Coms a lot of the Comstock laws dealt with um, the transfer of materials right? The ability to mail obscene materials. This was more about, it was an obscenity thing um, Mm -hmm. about like, I think marking the books obscene for sale. Um, So yeah. So I think it, I don't think Comstock is responsible, although Comstock certainly wrote the playbook for a lot of uh, the legislation (laughs) that we are going to see. And for folks who don't know who we're talking about, Anthony Comstock was postmaster general. 
I think, yes. in like the late 1800s. I probably have my years wrong. Not always the best mistakes, <laughs> but uh, he was responsible for something called the Comstock Act, which made it illegal to mail obscene materials, um, uh, materials that included information about birth control or abortion or sex. You know, a lot of the kind of content we've been talking about that SESTA-FOSTA and all these other platforms have been trying to censor is the same stuff that Comstock uh, wanted banned from being sold. And uh, Comstock, one of his favorite adversaries was Victoria Woodhall, who happens to be our namesake. So there's a great book about Comstock and uh, the women who fought against oh, him. Wonderful. Um, it's called oh, The nice. Man Who Hated Women yes. by yes. Okay. Uh, Amy Sohn. Um, Yeah, definitely worth reading. And actually on Woodhull's YouTube channel, um, I did an interview with Amy about the book this past September, and that's posted there if folks are interested in learning a little bit more about that history. Fantastic. Yeah. So there was something cheerful. (laughs) (laughs) Which which part of that was cheerful? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> your your victory in Virginia and oh, yes, it's yes, it's that. it's these actions that you know like I could see someone being like oh well that's just a small thing but if you think about the repercussions and the precedent that if that law passed that would set you know like in New York okay probably that wouldn't happen but whole Midwest all of the South I mean we see that with the with the abortion laws right now um, once those things are established, they can run like wildfire. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's amazing that you got that fought down. And I'm sure you're going to have to do a lot more of that throughout the next couple of years. But the, the, these victories add up and it gains momentum and it gets people talking and it gets people thinking. And, you know, I, I the work that you're doing is just I, I'm going to keep saying it is so fucking important. <laughs> it's so important. Yeah. So. um. And Ricky, you, I think you had mentioned before that you, did you have another thing with the SESTA-FOSTA stuff? Or? Oh, we just had yeah. a hearing okay. uh, at the district court. Um, and, and we don't have a decision. Um, I would say that at least two of the justices seem to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the third justice may as well have gotten it, uh, but was was much more quiet. Um, well, yeah. Ahead, and what ahead. what we should explain is our lawyers feel that Sessa Fosta Wild being generally a bad bill for all the reasons we've talked about is also a violation of our First Amendment right to free speech. And right. so, you know, a lot of what we're talking about in our suit is like this this violates our right to free speech. And this is why. And um, the hearing is on the D.C. Circuit Court's YouTube page. It's really interesting to listen to because um, the justices asked a lot of questions about the law and what it does and what it has the potential to do. And, you know, Ricky and I were in court that day, um, which was like one of those like pinch me moments, I think, um, in doing this work. and. You know, they asked a lot of really good questions that I like would have loved to have asked the people who passed this bill. 
<laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, we you talk about victories and how they're so important. And I will also say that it's a whole lot easier to stop a bill from passing than it is to repeal yes. it once it's been passed, right? Because FOSTA, mm. we mentioned, passed in 2018. It's 2023. Here we are. We're still in court fighting it. And nothing changes with the law until we sort of get like through this whole process. Justice is very slow in the United States. Um, and so I would encourage folks who are feeling angry and like feeling upset about this to get on the phone to your reps, your state reps, your federal reps, um, your city council, whoever, right? Like these actions are happening at all levels of government um, and start calling now so that they can't pass these things so that we don't have to then sue to get them repealed. Um, let's block it, nip it right in the bud before it can do any more damage. Yeah. I don't want to be Debbie Downer. <laughs> I'm feeling guilty about it. But um, to what Mandy said about get on the phone and it's easier to block it. One thing we know historically, well, let me give you a drop of background on this law, FOSTA and how it came to be. For years, the government was trying to take down a platform called Backpage. Mm -hmm. They took them to court over and over and over again. And Backpage won over and over and over again, no matter what the charge was, Backpage won. And a judge finally, uh, this is anecdotal, I wasn't in the room. A judge finally said, if you want to take down Backpage, you're going to have to craft a law that isn't on the books yet. And that was the impetus for FOSTA. The irony there is that the government seized all the assets of Backpage before FOSTA passed anyway. Mm -hmm. But you know that thing about telling the truth? How we tell the truth, right. If you listen to any of the people who support FOSTA, their first claim is it took down Backpage. Right. It didn't. Backpage went down before the law passed. Um, but the Debbie Downer part of this is if we win, even if we don't win, all of the uh, arguments in this case will be used by the people who want to censor sex and sexual expression to craft other laws. Mm -hmm. The trial exposes the vulnerabilities or the challenges of a law. Mm -hmm. And so the next law is crafted addressing those and hopefully screwing up something else. But, you know, the bottom line is censorship is a bad thing. The things that you would want to censor are already illegal. Mm -hmm. When you get beyond right. that, free speech, First Amendment. Well, that wasn't too damning. <laughs> no, and and again, it's 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 something important, and I think it supports Mandy's point. When you hear the stirrings of these bills getting drafted or being worked on, that's the time to act and to call your representatives um, to start posting things about it. 
you know, because if it, if it doesn't make it to the floor or it gets voted down, then, you know, it's going to take a, a longer time for something to pop up again. So when people know that, like, okay, yeah, even if you, you're able to get SESTA Foster repealed, there might be some, there is going to be something else coming down the road. But yep. now, you know, you have to nip it in the bud before it can even get to that point. Because Mandy, like you were saying, it, it takes five years, 10 years, 20 years for you to be able to backtrack and, and fix it. And by that point, there's, you know, dozens of other things that come up in right. the meantime. So it's it's all really about awareness and on how this process works. And this is something because it's about sex, not talked about in schools, not covered in, in other places. Um, you know, like I try to do my small part with some of my courses and talk to them about the dangers of bills like this, but I think I'm going to direct them to this podcast episode <laughs> in my next courses so they understand uh, a bit more about that. But yeah, I, 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 it, it sounds like a downer, but it, it also is giving a way for people to fight back. And, you know, Woodhull's website, we're, we're just putting the finishing touches on this, is going to have updates on legislation. All you have to do is look. Look for your state, look for your city. Um, you don't have to look at the whole country, just care about your world mm-hmm. and act on those bills. Yeah. So when you talk about the website, just let our audience know where they can go to support, you know, the cause. Where can they go now to 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 voice and to be a vessel of positivity <laughs> um, in in this fight that that we're in? Um, but I know she's gonna pass it to you, Mandy. So let's go on ahead and just give that out. <laughs> Thank you. I was waiting for that. <laughs> I was um, just thinking if I dared do that. <laughs> Our website is woodhallfoundation.org. Uh, Woodhall spelled W-O-O-D-H-U-L-L. Um, and that's like the main hub for all sorts of information. We are Woodhall Freedom on all social media platforms. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, so please, you know, feel free to check us out. As I mentioned, we have a YouTube channel, Woodhall Freedom Foundation. Um and one of the things that is really important to us is accessibility. And so all of the programming that we put out, all of the educational resources we put out there are free. Um, the majority of them also have um, sign language interpretation built right in. So, you know, I want to encourage people to check out like everything we've got out there. Um, and I really try also very hard to share what our allies and other organizations are working on towards sexual freedom and, and you know, make Woodhull a place that can be a resource um, for lots of different issues, because we didn't talk too much about this during our conversation today, but sexual freedom means something different to a lot of different people and is an umbrella for a lot of different topics. So we try to put out information that relates to a lot of different communities and and stuff that is relevant to a lot of different people. So I will also say that, you know, my email address is Mandy, M-A-N-D-Y at woodhallfoundation.org. And we welcome folks who have questions or concerns or, you know, they think there's a sexual freedom issue going on in their neighborhood, whatever the case may be, um, you know, we really want to uh, hear about it. 
So, you know, for any listeners who are out there, I give you permission to email me or tweet us or Instagram message us or whatever. Uh, it's me behind all the platforms. So if you want to cut right through to my inbox, just send me an email. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll do our best to answer questions or provide a resource where we can. Um, yeah. Nice. So before we wrap up today, are there any other things that you wanted to mention? Any projects that you want people to be aware of? Anything like that? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I mentioned we do a lot of programming and, and we've talked a lot about censorship. So this year, every month, we're going to be doing a different program around censorship. Um, so I'm not sure when this this podcast will air, but uh, Monday, January tomorrow. <laughs> Tomorrow. Oh, wow. Okay, so this is perfect. So Monday, January 30th um, is our first uh, in that series, first program. It's going to air at noon, live on Zoom, noon Eastern time. Um, and folks, again, right front page of our website, there's a link that'll take you to the registration. Um, and we have a really wonderful panel. We have folks from the American Library Association, FIRE, who I mentioned, Fight for the Future, um, and Larry Walters, who's a preeminent First Amendment attorney on a panel. Ricky is moderating, um, and it's a really like wonderful conversation. So I would encourage folks to check that out and also stay tuned for what we have planned for the rest of the year, because we have big plans. Um, and then coming up in February, we will be in San Francisco at the Creating Change Conference. We are hosting a Human Rights Commission on Saturday, February 18th. We'd love to see folks there. And then in March, uh, shameless plug, but this is the last thing we have scheduled for a little while. March 10th and 11th, we are going to be at the uh, Sexology Summit. Uh, it's hosted mm. by Sexpert Consultants. Um, yes. It's at the Eaton Center, and it is in person, but it is also virtual. So mm -hmm. I would encourage folks to check that out, and I'll send you all some links because uh, I have a discount code if folks are going to register. Um, so yeah, DC, San Francisco, or online, um, we would love to see uh, folks who are passionate about sexual freedom show up. Nice, nice. Well, they thank booked you. and busy, Laura. They booked and busy. Yes, absolutely, always. always. <laughs> and that's 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 awesome to hear. And we'll make sure that we have all of that information in our show notes. Um, so thank you again for being with us. Thank you. Um, so that's all for this episode of Mindful Sex Ed. Thank you so much for joining us. If you have a question that you'd like us to answer, please email us at podcast at tickle life, or you can reach out to us on social media. We are Mindful Sex Ed Pod on Twitter and Mindful Sex Ed Podcast on Instagram. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you are listening. Reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify are particularly helpful in getting us out there. Sharing is caring. And it's absolutely free and safe. <laughs> so please send this episode or any other episodes to a friend. And lastly, check out all the podcasts on the Tickle Life Network and visit Tickle Life for all of your Mindful Sex Ed needs. Goodbye, everyone, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. I'm <laughs> sorry.